Our story begins in the clouds. A seemingly endless field of white stretches ahead of us. Moisture whips at the faces of people who bear the scars and lines of hard-won years. Light dances and prisms off droplets filling the air with a dazzling display as they cut through the soft banks. Despite this, the men and women on the deck are focused solely on their work. Ropes tighten under the grips of calloused hands as a booming voice calls out over the deck for more fire. We cut to coal being shoveled into soot-black furnaces that have brilliant columns of fire blasting heat into a canopy, the scope of which is obscured by fog. Finally, the wooden bottom of a large ship cuts through the clouds above, and we get our first look at the Uhuru, a sky ship, captained by the notorious Oromar Vale. Uh, we begin at the front of the ship, and I think looking off into the distance at the front of the ship, hanging off the side of one of the ropes, we find Jonit. Tyler, would you like to describe your character for us? Yes, so hanging off the side of the ship is a boy. I'm about 15 years old. He's about like 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, his name's Jonit. He's got sort of shaved sides of his head. He's got like a big old afro on the top, kind of like a frohawk going, wildly blowing in the wind. He has a crimson red headband tied around his head. As the wind is like whipping back and forth, he's on the front of the ship, but he's got like a big old map and he's like trying to read it and he can't really understand why it's so hard because it's like blowing in the wind and it's whipping back and forth. Buddy. So he's like trying, he's trying, and then his hair is also blowing in the wind. So eventually he like pulls that back and like t- tucks it into the headband. It looks like we're still on course, I think. Oh. Um, kind of just like. Cut off, like sleeveless shirt that's again whipping wildly, and then some otherwise not necessarily well kept clothes. Yeah, <laughs> that's Jonnet. And yeah, we, we see Jonnet's map for a second, and then he pulls it away to show the countryside before the ship. We can see the long masthead stretching out in front over green, rocky mountainsides with rivers scattered around them, and very far off in the distance, miles away at this point, we can see the silhouette of a city. Jonnet turns back, shouting instructions to a man who's leaning over the side of the ship, trying to crane his ears to hear the excited young boy's cries. He turns around and then calls, with a lot of swears, I guess, with a lot of swears and linguistic shorthand, he calls back orders to Travis. What does Travis look like, and where is he sitting? Uh, I have a quick question. Speaking of swears, what is our swear policy on this show? Uh, in, in old campaign, we used Star Wars swears. Can we? Ju- are we just going to make up Skyjack swears? Let's make up some Skyjack swears. I think swears. we make up Skyjack swears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> and as far as our season, it is, unfortunately, winter. Um, That's cool. So Travis is sitting in a, on kind of like a bench uh, along the side. Mm-hmm. He looks to be in like his late 20s, early 30s, but his hair is stark gray. And he's wearing what was probably at one point like a pretty nice slick suit. 
but it's just definitely a little a little shabby, a little worn for the wear. And he's, of course, wearing some fingerless gloves. Yeah. Incredible. After hearing that order, you know, Travis, especially as someone who was not originally trained to be on this ship, mostly your job is running orders that cannot be heard across the ship. Mm-hmm. And because this is an order of heading, it needs to reach the ears of the captain which means you need to bring it to someone else who's part of your conspiracy. Mm -hmm. So whom do you run to first with this order? I'll run to Gable. We see Travis cross the deck of the Uhuru. We can see dozens of men and women pulling on ropes, moving about large items on the deck, making sure everything is secure, and some of them running over to the side of the deck to grab coats as a chill fills the air the closer they draw to this city as you enter part of the world where winter is currently in season. You make it over to Gable. Liz, please describe Gable. Looking at Gable is kind of like looking at a magic eye. In total, it makes sense, but if you look at any part of Gable too closely, it doesn't make sense. They're a little bit too tall, a little bit too slender. Their skin seems as if you can see through it sometimes. Overall, if you're not paying too much attention, Gable just looks kind of like an early 20-something young woman, Mm -hmm. but sometimes not. They have long, silvery braided hair that's all coiled up and tucked into like a really neat bun up top, like wrapped around. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're wearing a very sensible, heavy leather coat that kind of distracts from how off-putting it is to look at them in the first place. I also think probably important for folks to note, Gable is seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Gable, including all of this magic eye stuff that sort of distracts anyone that would be looking at them, Gable is also just a tremendous physical presence. How tall Um, is Travis? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, 5'11". Yeah, mm-hmm. we had to install a lot of pool noodles along <laughs> all of the <laughs> the ceilings. Like whenever you enter a room, so you don't bump your head. Mm-hmm. So you bring this heading to Gable. Gable bends I, down to here. Yeah, exactly. You know that the heading is true, and that probably within an hour or so you will be upon the city, mm-hmm. um, which means that you have to take this information to the captain and. That means you have to take this information to Dref. I think Dref is probably I'm like with, I'm with the captain. Yeah, right with now. the captain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like below, down below, maybe. I think uh, in the captain's quarters. Yeah. yeah, is probably. I walk down as stated before. Everything is very narrow and short down below in the ship. So I, my preference is to not be down there. So I like walk down the stairs and knock on the door of the captain's chambers and say very loudly and overcompensatingly. Yes, Captain, I have some information for you. The Captain, Captain Ormar. A draft hears them outside and says, uh, come, in, come in, come in. I open the door and go in. Yeah. Inside the Captain's quarters, we can see a lot of trophies from life around the shipping lanes running across the sky. There are weapons, there are fine silks, there are some interesting-looking baubles and rocks. There is quite a bit of alcohol, and there are a few human bones. But we also find in this haven of finery aboard this ship, which is mostly a utilitarian vessel, 
we see looking a little bit out of place, Dreff. JPC, what does Dreff look like? Dreff is about 5'8". He is a human. Blonde hair, but it's shaved very close. He's about 19 years old, and he has the like beginnings of a beard and a mustache that will never be a beard and a mustache. It's all just <laughs> very like sparse and, and thin. Um, he's very gaunt. Oh. He's a, probably about 20 pounds underweight. Uh, you can see like kind of his sunken eyes, sunken cheekbones. He looks like he probably hasn't slept in like three days, even though he has slept in three days. Mm-hmm. That's just a look that will never go away oh. from him. <laughs> He's wearing this like thick white, like heavy coat that has like a, a chest piece on it with tons of little pockets in it. People would know it as like a something that like a doctor or some sort of like surgeon or medical practitioner would have. Is it stained a bit? Oh yeah. It's like stained. It's Gross. pretty dirty. Uh, there's like blood smears, but not like bloody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, like he would like wipe, you know, his hands on it. Sanitarily, we're not really in a time where that's like a big concern for people. Yeah. He's also got glasses that have that, like, wraparound thing to it so they don't, like, always fall off his head because he would lose them. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) He is currently hunched over Captain Oromar Vale. Oromar is kind of, like, sitting there, like, staring straight forward. He is holding Oromar's jaw in his hand, which has completely separated from (laughs) – the bottom part of his jaw is completely (laughs) separated from his mouth. Um, Oromar, by the way, looks very much uh, human, looks very much alive, but is very much missing his jaw and doesn't appear to be worried by it. As Gable comes in, Dref turns – uh, don't worry, I can fix this. This this will be fine. I, I can fix this. What do you mean you can fix it? It's not attached to his head. Yes, um, and and I can explain that. What did you do? I, I had to take it off. Why? Um, because it wasn't, um, it didn't look, it, uh, uh, people would know, and so, but I can fix it. I'll put it back. Yeah, so it looked worse than it being off? It's, um, it's part of, yes, uh, yes. Um, if he were to smile, it, it would have looked like he then was, we, he just wouldn't smile. I will put it back together. Put it back. It would be fine it, through a combination of divine and necrotic magic and some like fish gut and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, like actual practical like uh, sewing things. He's like in the process of sewing the jaw back on and then kind of putting on like this magical veneer to kind of hide the fact that this is obviously a corpse that has been reanimated. So I would like for you to. To make for me an average difficulty medical check. Oh no! Uh, okay. Back in the saddle. Yeah, again. there we go. This Ooh. is the first roll. Be back in it, and I know exactly how to play this game. That is one success and uh, one threat. Yeah. Is so, it still called a threat in this uh, system? Um, These are unreadable. I, yeah, I believe they are still called threats in this system. I think because we've all been using the other system, we're going to start out that way. And maybe we'll look it up later. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> I think your fix for this situation involved taking some muscles that you pulled from a fish and using those to replace muscles that had rotted away in Oromar's jaw. Mm-hmm. The problem is they're a little bit weak, and <laughs> once the muscle catches and actually like wakes up and starts moving, <coughs> it pulls the jaw together more firmly than you would expect. So while this looks good, the mouth has a tendency to hang open, and when it closes, it closes with that. Yeah. So... 
It might be a bit of a noticeable tick that Oromar did not have before, but Gable would you'd have to admit that it does look natural again. Also to say, um, since Oromar is uh, dead and mm-hmm. is a reanimated corpse, he has lost the ability or the capability to speak. So any sort of like jaw movements that he makes, Dref's plan is to keep them as like minute as possible. So this like opening and closing of the mouth thing is like not good because it just <laughs> kind of draws attention to the fact that he won't be saying words, but he's opening and closing his mouth. <laughs> Captain! Wait, can, can um, you do his first? Uh, captain! I can't. I can't do it. Yeah, uh, so uh, Dref, like, finishes up. Can, can Dref give the captain orders? Like, oh, yeah. how, how, do, how do I, what skill do I use to, like, command him? How so do zombie I work? think uh, for most circumstances, as simple commands, you will not have to roll for. If you are trying to convince someone that this is a living person ever, then you will have to roll for it. Really, if it is narratively appropriate for it to be challenging, it's going to be challenging. And in that case, I think you would be rolling your divine skill because gotcha. you're using your necromantic magics to control this body. As Dref finishes like masking this jaw thing, he tells the captain, uh, uh, stand into your maps. And Orimar like stands up, places his hands like on the table and like <laughs> looks intently at a map with his back to the door. Yeah. Mm. Uh, who is it? It would be Wilson. What? What? What's the... Uh... What's the update, Wilson? Uh, no update, uh, ma'am. Just looking to speak to the captain, is all. Uh, the captain is busy checking his maps. I can pass along any information. It would be real helpful if we could have this conversation on the other side of a door, ma'am. Are you discussing this with me? Are you trying to have a negotiation with me? I was trying to have a conversation with the captain if... You are the barrier to that conversation. Well, then, then Gable, it's it's fine. Then, you should be mostly. I don't think anything will slip out. Uh, 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 yes, you can come in. So Wilson walks in. He looks to be a man in his later thirties. He's a bit rotund. He's got a scraggly beard, a scar on the side of his face. But apart from that, and uh, his sort of cracked and calloused hands, he looks like a gentle soul. And he enters fairly meekly. His expression is a bit worried, and he looks around the room. A captain feeling all right, he says to Dref, who, you are someone on the ship that people are happy to have, but rarely happy to see. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> being a medical practitioner, if you were in the room with someone, it could be a dire circumstance. Dref says, Oh, yes. Uh, uh, the captain uh, feeling wonderful. At that, the captain kind of like, I think actually, can I roll like a, a simple divine check here yeah. to see if I can get the captain to reinforce this? Yeah, that is two successes and an advantage. Yeah, the captain sort of like slowly for a second looks up, but then as though it's going through a program, nods in mm-hmm. like a sort of reassuring way. With and my then, advantage, can I give? Uh, can I make it the, the captain give uh, uh, Wilson a little wink as well? Yeah, that's ooh. something I've been training the captain to do because it's something that Oromar did when he was alive. He was like very, very like socially savvy, which is also a problem for the fact that he can't talk anymore. <laughs> um, so with, with that, you can see Wilson visibly relax. Uh, so we drew straws and all came up here because some of the. Men and women are a bit concerned about uh, the fact that we don't have any cargo. 
and we was hoping that we had news about picking up some cargo at this port, maybe. And we just wanted to see if that was the expectation. Seen a few ports, unloaded some cargo, which everyone appreciates, I'm sure. Uh, it's just that if we don't negotiate to pick up new cargo, uh, we don't make any money. And uh, that's how we eat. Well stated, Wilson. He sort of like relaxes. You can tell he is physically intimidated by Gable in every sense of the way, especially because you are now like looking down over him Mm -hmm. inside this room where you basically scrape the top of the ceiling with your hair every time you're walking around. Mm -hmm. The captain is like kind of hand like up. grabs like a stack of papers mm-hmm. and then hands them to me. Oh, uh, excellent. Uh, yes, Captain. Uh, uh, Wilson, uh, the captain wanted you to do a, a thorough inventory on uh, what we uh, still have uh, mm, it left in the holds uh, uh, so we can know what we can uh, accommodate uh, with a new shipment. Oh, oh of course, of course. I'll, I'll get this uh, down to uh, the, the people in storage right away. Uh, thank you, Captain. Uh, Drift? Thank you, Wilson. You're doing a wonderful job. He does like kind of an informal salute and leaves the room with those papers uh, to take them to the cargo hold, uh, leaving Dreff and Gable uh, alone together to contemplate what they've known for months and Wilson has just given voice to. The captain has not been able to negotiate picking up new cargo, which means slowly the ship has been getting less and less profitable to the point where you've essentially been running on fumes. We can't keep giving them busy work. I just don't know. I don't feel 100% confident with the captain leaving the ship in well, order to... He can't... And he'll never... Um, I'm close to... You've been close to something for about six months now. And I don't mean to raise my voice at you, but... You're, not, you're, whis- you're whispering? Very, um, you're not raising your voice. I don't mean to get upset, but we are reaching the end of our rope and we need to make some decisions and I don't want to push you so we can make all these decisions together, but we need to make them very quickly. Otherwise we will not have a ship. Travis, I would like you to reveal yourself to be very close by to this situation. Sure. Are you just outside the door? Uh, I was actually thinking of storming in. Oh, great. This is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I want to warn you oh, that God, uh, yeah, William's so- coming, and I think he's got some questions about the cargo. Wilson already came. Wilson, that's <laughs> it. That's it. Well, he had some questions about the cargo, and I just wanted to warn you. Well, it's a little bit late, but we did give him a little bit of busy work to do. We're apparently we're still not at a place where we, the we, captain we, can make negotiations, despite having several months of preparation. We, we, we think we would be there by now. Uh, uh, what do you mean he he can't negotiate? Look at him; he looks so real, so lifelike. Isn't that right, Captain? Look what His he does. Mouth hangs open, and then he closes it with a click. <laughs> okay, um, I I propose uh I propose a uh, a, a, a meeting a te- te- team a team meeting. We're here. Well, Jonnet isn't here. Well, someone should go get him. And since I was just outside, I think that it should not be me, and it should be someone else who was just outside. I stick my head out the window. 
You stick your head out the window and then you already see like a pair of larger than appropriate size boots like storming down the stairs. And, and then he's like, you see John it come down and he's like, he's walking across the way and he's like, you guys are having a team meeting, aren't you? <laughs> no, we, we, you we, are. We didn't we mean to. It just happened. You, I, I need them. to be in the room when you have team meetings. I'm close part the of door, the team. Close the door. Close That's the door. exactly what I said, John, and they weren't listening. Stop talking about the team meeting. When no one knows that there's a team. Well, it, then start informing me when there are going to be team meetings. We didn't know that there was going to be a team meeting. Oh, well, <laughs> keep it that way. Okay. <laughs> Travis takes the captain's hat off of the captain and puts it on. I will propose once again that I think I should perhaps be a... An acting captain, as far as negotiations are concerned. I can wear the clothes of the captain, pretend to be the captain, and, um... The situation that is before us is the captain is dead, okay? We, we know. all are aware of, 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 of the situation, but as we agreed, it is imperative that we keep the captain alive in some capacity. The captain certainly opens uh, many doors for us. And his mouth... In his mouth. Did but you see he, the new thing that he does? As I, 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 I will not, and I have to admit this as a, a, a failing, um, be able to give the captain any capacity for speech. So he's never going to be able to talk. But he can still be useful to us. We just have to figure out a way for someone else to speak on the captain's behalf. Oh, like someone to act as the captain and wear the captain's clothes and negotiate as if you don't need to captain. wear his clothes. That's definitely me. All right. All right. I was the first one to notice when the captain was dead, and I called dibs on the ship. All right. So this ship is mine. I'm the captain. Give me that hat. Dibs. So (laughs) dibs notwithstanding. One of the things that sort of strikes you with Jonit's outburst and Travis's insistence uh, that he be the captain is that Jonit is the only one with dark skin like the captain. Even if Travis were to wear the captain's clothes, if he were to try and assume the captain's identity, it's probably not going to work out. Though, undeniably, Travis is probably the most skilled in negotiations of the group. Before we claim dibs, before we call shotgun, we need to discuss what our goals are. We've been riding around the skies for six months, just pretending that everything was going to reveal itself once we figured out what we wanted to do. We are at a point of no return. What do we want to do? Do we just want to keep on picking up cargo for the next eternity? Or do we want to do something? We need money. Wilson was correct. We are running low on supplies. Yes. Food stores are low. Um, we have credits and debts that we need to see to. Yes. The, um, the fact is that we are uh, uh, desperately in need of a, of a job. All right. That's a good short-term goal. Does everyone agree? What if we just, uh, what if we find a griffin nest and uh, capture a baby griffin? Those things sell for a whole bunch of coin. <laughs> At the mention of a griffin in a griffin's nest, Dreft as like a, a, a very audible gulp that is, uh, he like stifles down how terrified that makes him. That's another possibility, maybe a more long-term possibility. James, what town are we headed towards? 
Wolf's Tooth. It's a kind of remote area, and the reason that you're going there is it is far farther from the influence of the Red Feather Syndicate. You being privateers and not being officially licensed to move cargo or even own a airship means that you can't go towards major settlements unless you drastically change the look of this vessel. That was thankfully a call that Captain Oromar made and not you, so most of the anger is already directed towards a dead man, but you're still dealing with the fallout from Mm -hmm. that. Can I roll a knowledge check to see if I am familiar with any of Oromar's contacts in Wolftooth? Absolutely. What is the difficulty there? How long have you been on this ship? I've been on the ship for two years, since I was 17. I'm going to call that... I think it's hard. Hard? So is that three? That's three. Okay, cool. Even shot here. Oh, no. So that is... Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. These are the failures, right? The X's are failures, and the little targets are disadvantages. These are... And, and these are advantages, not successes. Yeah, the, so, the success symbol is the same, but uh, the advantage symbol looks like a Star Trek thing. Got it. I failed this check, but I got four advantages to <laughs> it. All right. I'm going to give you the opportunity asking for an intervention from a luminary. Because as it stands, you will not know any contacts that can help you. You will know people that he knows, but that might not do it for you. You could come up with a contact, but it's going to be up to interpretation from the luminary card. I will I will uh, flip a luminary for All right. this. So doing that, we get the Maiden, which is actually really good news for you. The Maiden is almost always on the party's side. So you do, in fact, know a contact in Wolf's Tooth. In fact, you were in a meeting that the captain had with this contact a long time ago because you were stitching up that contact. Oh. There is a local businesswoman known as Sonia. She controls a lot of different cargo moving in and out of Wolf's Tooth, although there is not any official guild that controls what comes in and out of the town. Someone still needs to oversee which ships can make port there. So Sonia is the one that folks tend to go to. And you actually are owed a favor by her. Where the failure comes in, though, is that although you had a good interaction with Sonia the last time you encountered each other, it didn't end well between Sonia and Oromar. Oromar was a lot of things, and one of those was a philanderer. Oromar, uh, no. Yeah. Sonia was furious the last you saw her when you were pulling away from Wolf's Toothport. You don't know what that could be. The good news is, if we're um, going to be making port in Wolf's Tooth, uh, uh, Sonia, who uh, is a big name in that port, could help us uh, facilitate with a a, a contract. Uh, The bad news is that she and Oromar here didn't part on um, exactly the uh, best terms. um, He cheated on her? Sexual uh, uh, nature. Um, Yes, I I believe so. Uh, But that won't be a problem going forward. For I haven't worked a way for... His uh, penis to to mescent to engorge won't fully. Uh, will, no, we blood, don't want. Blood, we don't magic. No, it's possible. Uh, it's no, not, no, no. I'd like to listen. We're, no, yeah. we're not getting. Uh, I mean, with 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 time, I could, but it, uh, n- not before we um, make it to port. And um, we're not. I'm telling you right now, Armar is never going to engage in sexual congress from now on. You don't need to worry about that. Okay, I'll put it on a, a, a Well, low... I think we should bring it to a vote. 
Are we, mm. whether or not we're going to allow the captain and, to have sexual relations? And not necessarily with Sonia at this stay, but at some point in the future, I think that we should set out some ground rules now as to whether or not the captain will be allowed to. There are practical reasons why it could be uh, I don't th- advantageous to us, but um, just f- purely from a, a standpoint of uh, keeping the, I, I, it would be very difficult to achieve an erection uh, lasting <laughs> I, uh, Just so I have all of the information before we do cast this vote, what is the probability of if sexual congress were to be able to take place that the captain could impregnate someone? No. Uh, it would and then be a, would the baby no. be part dead? That, no. That would be, oh, a zombie that'd baby. be cool. A zombie. No, it, I agree. It I, would be very cool. Would, I don't think that would be cool at all. Um, so, Gable, you have been opening yourself up to new ways of thinking for the past long time. So there are a lot of things from your previous life that you're, you're sort of willing to disregard. However, uh, there comes to a certain level of heresy that stretches your nerve to the very end, and you're sort of feeling a bubbling rage sort of rise up in you as Travis very casually discusses some horrific things. All right, so maybe we take a step back and just say not even particularly this zombie, but who would be in favor of, at some point, perhaps getting bust by a zombie? No. No. Nah, I'm out. Not this zombie not, in particular. No, we are going to talk true. about this contract, and that is it. There are many bridges that you have yet to cross, and I don't think theoretical discussion is a good thing to be doing at this moment. And also, it's gross. To be clear, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I don't know how. I wouldn't know how to. Well, don't to get bust by a zombie. No, there. say stop it. To, to make him bust is, I wouldn't know how to. Uh, it would, I would affect some sort of stop. facsimile of <laughs> semen. Could my be vote is no. <laughs> okay, that's one no vote. Thank I, you for I, your I participation. Think, I think, uh, Liz, I would love to see some sort of intimidation made tell me how i believe coercion is on your character sheet yeah it's one of those versus one purple die and i would like to add a blue die because you are so very tall all right this is a failure that is a disadvantage Disadvantage. and the little triangle thing cancels it out so you just got two straight up successes two successes two successes so i think when gable says no, their voice thunders through the cabin and they bring a fist down on the captain's table full of maps. Some of the baubles on that table rattle and it's not even a rattle with a pounding of the fist. And Travis, I think this is what disturbs you most. It's a rattle that their voice has when it resonates with the other objects in the room. The room fills with this command. Although you delight in stringing people along and teasing, you viscerally want to stop in this moment. Okay, okay. We will vote on whether or not the captain will bus anyone later. May I make a suggestion? Hmm. Uh, Wolfstooth is at the very periphery of society. Uh, Sonia, while um, very important there, has relatively limited dealings with the, the wider world. I, I, I know that I have been uh, hesitant to suggest this, but I think Wolfstooth is the perfect place to test my theory that the captain can exist in public now. That being said, he will not be able to speak. So 
I, 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 I by all means, am, am not the right uh, person to speak for the captain. So I, I, I think it should fall onto y- your shoulders to uh, communicate with Sonia. Well, 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 I do my best to make sure the captain maintains a, a, a relatively uh, human and, and alive persona. Are you suggesting using the captain like a, a puppet? And you'll make his mouth move and one of us will say the words? No, no, no. I am suggesting that the captain takes a strong, silent, and uh, lets his uh, her crew speak for him. He, he may even have appointed one of us as his negotiator. Mine sounds more fun, but yours makes more sense. It does make sense. Will we all go to meet Sonia? I would, um, yes, advise that. Um, Gable, you would be useful to be there as a, uh, your presence is, uh, 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 somewhat c- uh, commanding. Say it. And, and intimidating. What? Intimidating? Um, mm, more. I, I, you have a tall, tall, tall aura of you. I should be there. Are you attracted to me? We can see. <laughs> Sweat forming. <laughs> I, I should be there as well to, to, to maintain. Uh, if, if anything does go uh, yes. uh, wrong with with the captain, and now say good things about me, mm-hmm. Travis. I, I I believe we will need you uh, because you have a mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, certain knack for dealing with uh, uh, people. Oh me? <laughs> Are you attracted to Travis? <laughs> It's not a no. Jonathan, I believe and that I'm you... a natural leader. <laughs> I was about to suggest then it's the settled. same. You'll give me the captain's hat and we'll touch down. But um, uh, might I um, make a suggestion? Uh, the captain, uh, as we all know, was uh, very. Uh, generous uh, with the love that he uh, had to uh, sexually give um, specifically to uh, women. This is uh, why we should have voted. It's not an. It's not an. It's not unheard of that the captain may have had uh, mm, many uh, dalliances in Wolfsbane, huh? right. and, and potentially uh, 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 mm, uh, children. Oh, it may, may be, be be something that we we have not been in Wolf's Tooth for over a year. Uh, if Maybe one of the captain's sons uh, came aboard the ship. Uh, we could use that as an opportunity to uh, um, have the captain have a, a, a new mouthpiece as he is uh, training uh, one of his children um, to take uh, on his uh, uh, stead. I got to pretend to be the captain's kid? This is um, a suggestion. Looking Jonat up and down, what, what, what do they see? In you, this is, I think, the first time that this group, or maybe even anyone aboard the ship, has looked at you in an appraising way. Apart from when the captain first looked you over before taking you on as a hand aboard the ship, you've been on the ship for how long now? Not very long. Jonet's kind of been bopping around, probably pretty close to like around the time when Oromar actually did die. It was like. It feels like maybe like a couple weeks after he got on board. Okay. And he was just kind of like, 
he's gotten into this inner circle just kind of by being the guy by being in the, the room. person who is in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So yeah, w- when they look at you now, a 15 year old who mostly uh, had a job of spotting things because your eyes are better than uh, most of the older folk on the ship, whose job really for a long time has been learning basic things. I think you've settled a little bit into your role now. So what do they see when they see you? Well, the first thing that you see is that he's got like a rolled up map kind of like tucked into his the belt loop in his back. Uh, so it's just kind of like it comes out, but it also kind of highlights how like small in stature he is. And like the rolled up map is kind of the same like Aww. size of like his small arms. But he is especially in this moment where he feels like this is his time and like sort of like his ship, he's very determined. So at the opportunity to pretend to be the captain's ship, he's like pondering it over like he's trying to do it like he sees like the adults doing it. He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I could be I could be that guy. And then so uh, right now he's very much like, all right, let's give me the captain's hat and we'll touch down. He's got his fists on his hips and he's like ready to do it like we've all agreed on it, but... We kind of haven't yet. Yeah, there's a lot of earnest excitement, Mm -hmm. uh, willingness to please in there, and perhaps about the eyes, some hunger, some ambition. Gable bends down to get face-to-face to to Jonnet. And as she does, and her face gets, like, larger and larger in Jonnet's eyes, he kind of, like, leans back a little bit more, (laughs) but then eventually he runs out of places to go, so he's just, like, making eye contact. And just quick question for Liz. Is Mm -hmm. there a defined pronoun for Gable or... whatever is useful whatever people use is yeah whatever is useful that makes sense so like whatever the context is it makes sense yeah so gable turns to jonah and says are you comfortable we're not gonna make you do anything that you don't want to do i want to do this he gives her a thumbs up it's gonna be dangerous it's going to be frightening I can do this, all right? I'm going to prove myself, and I'm going to show you all that I deserve to have this ship. Okay. And and as as a general warning for all of us, well, you have certainly given me leeway with the uh, uh, necromancy that I've practiced here. I would remind you that it is um, so much frowned upon in the wide world, so it is going to be imperative that we all keep this secret about the captain uh, to ourselves um and uh if something were to happen that would betray his true nature we all have to be on the same page with protecting that secret done keeping in mind that the captain is still very useful to us if it were to get out that the captain uh were dead we could be faced with a crew mutiny. We could be faced with um, our, our debtors coming after us in, in full. We could be faced with the loss of the ship. The, the captain must remain, as we all agreed, for all intents and purposes, alive. Yeah. Fine. I guess I'll return my captain is dead banners <laughs> that I just purchased. You purchased them? No, I you... was being sarcastic. Oh, because I was about to say, you could probably make them. You're very crafty. I was going to ask where you got them printed. Yeah, exactly. At that, you can hear calls from atop the ship. Port ahoy! Port ahoy! Hello, heroes, and welcome to episode one of Campaign Skytax. I can't imagine that anyone is as excited and nervous as I am, but I bet you're all at least a little excited and nervous. I just wanted to take this opportunity to introduce a few new things about the show's format. 
I'm sure you noticed we have a mid-roll section now. I wanted a good place in the show to be able to talk to you about exciting events that we have come up, read advertiser copy, and maybe even some personal listener statements. And if you're wondering, I definitely got the idea because some of my favorite shows also do this. For our first mid-roll, I wanted to take a moment to thank the incredible artists who lent their talents to the Skyjack series. Campaign's new logo was a collaboration. Campaign's new logo was a collaboration between the incredibly talented Fiona Hisei, who's responsible for the flying ship and the background, as well as all of the coloring, and George from RPG Calligraphy, who did the lettering. You can find Fiona on Twitter at, at @FionaPup and George on Twitter at RPG Calligraphy. I want to thank Ben Zweifel for the beautiful official rendering of the Uhuru. You can find that on our Twitter or our website. That one does not feature the graffiti that is currently on the side of the ship. I also want to point out that Ben and Erica Chappell helped me figure out some of the engineering aspects of the ship, which had a dramatic effect on the look of vessels in the setting. Thanks so much to you both. It looks incredible, and I couldn't be happier about it. You can find Ben on Twitter at PixelGarbage and Erica at Open underscore Sketchbook. The official character art for the Uhuru crew, which I'm not sure is available at the time the podcast is premiering, was done by Jess Taylor. You can find her on Twitter at at Doodle, spelled D-E-U-X-D-E-L. All the music that you've heard in this episode was composed specifically for this production by Arnie Parrott. I cannot state enough how dramatic an effect Arnie's music has had on the setting. Arnie, it's always amazing collaborating with you, and I can't wait to do more. You can find Arnie on Twitter over at Arnie Parrott. That's A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. I also want to take a moment to thank the Decemberists and Keith Baker. When we were creating our setting and characters, we looked heavily to Decemberist's music for inspiration. And Keith, along with Together Games, was kind enough to allow us to incorporate Illimat directly into our setting. If you haven't already, I recommend you go out and pick up a copy of Illimat. It is my favorite card game, and if you play it once, I'm sure you'll instantly understand why I decided to build a setting around it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I also want to thank the heroes who created fan art, fan fiction, and fan music in response to their preview of the first episode. The whole cast has been really nervous about putting together this show, partially because we put so much of ourselves into it. Seeing what you created in response to the show that we made filled us with confidence. I can't wait to show you all the things we have in store for you. But to do that, we have to get back to the episode. Take flight, heroes. And there's a lot of sort of excitement. And Gable, you know that this means, especially because Wolf's Tooth is a smaller port, that someone needs to be sent down to negotiate pulling in. Mm -hmm. In cer certain cases, that can mean rent. So they need someone to take a bird down. And they'll yeah. probably be looking to you 
Uh, so okay, so when like we hear the port ahoy, port ahoy, mm-hmm. like John, it very much like perks up because he knows what's about to happen and he knows that you're about to like get on a bird and fly down and he thinks that's so awesome. So he's just like getting really jazzed about that. Gable hears it and then just looks at them, gives them a little smile, the only smile that they've smiled today. (laughs) (laughs) And then once again, jumps out the window (laughs) because I think all the birds are like in a little hatch on the bottom of all the ships. So I swing down and then kind of like selectively go through all of my my racks of beautiful big birds yeah we have you go out the window over the side of the ship as you swing down we can see the bottom of this ship and when we do we see lots of holes from various cannon fire that have been patched up we see arrows sticking in the side of the ship Mm -hmm. some harpoons various different kinds of weaponry that uh, you've just not had time to remove and repair and we come to the avian cages Mm -hmm. liz what does the bird that you're selecting now for this trip look like so i think i have three separate birds for my purposes i think yeah three birds that could possibly carry you yeah there are and they're like for different purposes like one's definitely a a warbird Mm -hmm. for fighting and like diving very much uh one of the more raptor like uh and then there's uh one for speed and then there's one for showmanship and I think I'm doing the one that's for showmanship, and that's probably going to be... <sighs> I think it's a peacock. Oh, peacocks uh, can't carry a seven-foot-tall... Well, I mean, uh, yeah, no that's, bird... That's, Liz- that's the thing that's going to get me caught up and, and take me out of the yeah. <laughs> How many birds can carry people? That's not... not so, I, yeah, it's a giant... Is, this is a large peacock. Yeah, it's a giant peacock. And, and I, I think Oromar is exactly the type. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you had a better idea. Oh, no, no, no. That makes sense. What if it's a white peacock? <gasps> yeah. Oof, a I nice, beautiful it. white peacock. And I, what what am I calling it? What's its name? I think they all have human names for sure. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think oh, this one is called Lucas for sure. Lucas. Oh, I love it. Lucas, my fancy bird. We can see in the shadows of these cages that are sort of like at the bottom of the ship. You're on the outer edge of this cage and like you can see a head just sort of pop in the jerky quick movements that uh, birds tend to make mm-hmm. around the corner out of the shadow and it gets a look at you mm-hmm. and we can see it's beautiful white plumage beautiful um, it sort of lets out an excited squawk oh. and you open up the bottom of this cage it swings open and how do you mount this bird? So the birds will just like drop down mm-hmm. and, like there were bombs and like start floating and then I just hang from the cage itself and kind of aim myself and just let go and land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Straddling. And in those few seconds between when you land on that bird and when you let go of the cage, I think you close your eyes because it feels like flying. And then the memory is gone. And we can see the bird flying away from the ship. And now, for the first time, we see in full relief the Uhuru. And I'd like us to describe the ship. I think everyone, I would love to see one detail added after this description. It looks like 
a large galleon ship. However, instead of sails and masts for that matter, there are three large engine heads on the ship with coal-burning engines that spit fire from their top. Above those, we can see a large balloon shape for these white sails that each have a red stripe running down them. They fill up this striped balloon as it floats down towards the earth, but I'd love to hear more about different things on the ship. I feel like Jonnet has kind of taken advantage of this already, where it's like, normally at like the front of a ship, you might have like some kind of like decoration, like a statue of like a lady out front, but this ship had one of those, it was blown off through like uh, some encounter that it had yeah. eons ago, and instead it's just it's like the mermaid lower half of this thing. The top half is completely blown off, but it's just done it in such a way that it's kind of flat enough that Jonnet is able to like sit out on the front, oh, and that's it. his map. Uh, that's so cute. <laughs> is, uh, yeah. So yeah, we we get the camera like w- sweeping into that area of the ship where we can see Jonnet perched there, like peering at the horizon and watching Gable swoop down atop Lucas. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, the, the ship has no formal like weapons on it, like uh, for um, any sort of like ship to ship combat. Ooh. What it does have is it has these two like massive pieces of machinery on that. Each one of them, they're like gunnery cannon in in look, but they're like full of like gears and mechanisms. They have like a swivel so they can rotate, and they're on uh, either side of the ship. Each one of them has like a three pronged kind of like ballista bolt that can hook mm. into the side of other ships yeah. and shoot lines mm. so that in ship combat the ships can, we could like basically hook into another ship and then board board their ship by yeah. sliding down you know or or climbing uh, these ropes to the other ship uh, something that Dref is deathly terrified of <laughs> um, but he uh, knows about it only in the way that he gives those machines a wide berth when he passes them <laughs> the the hole and everything is 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 it wood? Are we going to say it's wood, I think? Yeah! But I think along the bottom, there's kind of a ridge that's made of some kind of metal, and it's sort of toothed ridge, so that, you know, if need be, if we're not looking to board a ship, we can kind of fly over it and scrape... It, it, we, if we scrape the top of their balloons, Ooh. it can, it oh, can it's yeah. capture them. Oh, it's grease! That's cool. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like a below-the-ship battering ram yeah. balloon. Yeah. Mm. Just cutting. That That rules. I, I, I will also say that probably the reason why that is so effective is because the material that these balloon, the balloons are, is made out of, what mm-hmm. did we say that that material is called? It's called feather weave. It's called feather weave. Feather weave not only is it like lightweight and allows for like to trap air so that you can you know rise. Mm-hmm. It's also very strong. So traditionally, like if you were shooting like bullets or anything less than like you know uh, huge cannon fires, it'd be very hard to pierce this material. I like it. So I think this ridge has a lot of nasty, gnarly like teeth and mm-hmm. ridges on it. It looks like a really rough saw. Almost. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I think 
we mentioned before one of the reasons we need to land is possibly to change the appearance of the ship. I think it's because in a recent run-in on the side of one uh, one of the sides of the ship is a huge lewd drawing uh, <laughs> painting that uh, some one of our enemies left on there like it, it, or like a bunch of pranksters they didn't even fight us but we like screwed someone over in a trade deal and so they just scrawled in huge paint like something disgusting and we have to get that fixed immediately mm. They drew a taint. Yes. Um, and like, you can tell it's a taint, even though it would be hard without any other details. People look at that and go, oh, that's a taint. Oh, that's so a taint. we're not going to describe what it looks like in any way at all, but know that 95% of people looking at it would be like, that's a taint. <laughs> you use your imagination for what you think it looks like, but it's immediately discernible yeah, 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 as a taint. taint and not confused with anything else. And fan artists, I'll say that's only on one part of the ship, so you can always draw it from the other end. <laughs> and just to be clear, there is no penis, there's no vagina, no, and there's no butthole. No it's butthole. just a taint. taint. You're just sure that it's a taint. <laughs> <laughs> and no labeling there's no words no, on it that like, says taint or gooch or any of the other names for for uh what's the other the, the perennium the perennium uh, even it, is, but you're even the if, doctor <laughs> if you've never seen a, a human body before even if you were just birthed yesterday you can mm. look at it and say yeah, that's a tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, that graffiti artist should be commissioned yeah, for it. It's actually a work of art. Yeah, I hope I hope they're doing good things with their talents. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So we come to port. I think we're going to cut right as the ship is pulling in. Gable, there was a negotiation. And although you did not manage to speak to Sonia herself, just her representatives, you did mention that the Uhuru was looking to pull into port. And they seemed all too eager to accept the invitation. It Ooh. made you suspicious, but also, you know, you'll take what blessings you can find where you find them. So there wasn't like a docking fee or anything like that? No, okay. nothing like That's that. That's weird. That made you a bit nervous. But you've got larger concerns on your mind, yeah. uh, specifically finding work and food. So the crew of the ship are starting to unload what little cargo they have. A few of the, the lifers have already headed off to the tavern to spend what little gold they were afforded on uh, alcohol. Hall. The rest of you are now left by the captain's quarters waiting to unfurl your plan. 
Um, as we are waiting, are we in the captain's quarter still? I think there might have been work done, but like if Dref is planning on unveiling the captain and making this public thing, I, I think at least you and Jonnet are getting ready to do this. I don't know where Travis might be or, or Gable was off the ship, but I feel like you might come together. I think we're we're maybe standing outside of the captain's quarters because mm. Draft is very excited that the captain is uh, finally cutting, coming is, out. is dressing himself right now and preparing uh-huh. himself. Uh, oh no! They've been working on this, and Draft mm-hmm. uh, is pretty confident that the captain can it's like, like a, follow the command to get ready and get ready. A father at a school play. Oh, we're so excited! <laughs> <laughs> I think Travis is in his quarters, wherever they may be, sort of trying to spruce up as best he can. You know, kind of slicking his hair back. You, you know, ad- adjusting his suit, making making himself look as presentable as possible. Yeah, is- the idea of quarters on this ship is actually something I think that we need to address really quickly in that most of you, those who are not in a privileged position that maybe draft might be, most of you are sleeping in hammocks that are lining the cargo bay of the ship. You might be more territorial than others, but like I think uh, Jonnet, for instance, just takes whatever hammock happens to be open when he needs to sleep. There are some more uh, privileged folks who are skilled in negotiation on the ship who might have their own hammocks. Is Travis one of those people? Yeah, I think Travis has sort of like a corner hammock. He was able to... You, I think you won it in a... In a game. Probably. Yeah. And what he's done for some privacy is taken like a very lovely sort of silk kind of sheet and, <laughs> and hung it up like around the hammock. So it's, I mean, you can still hear everything and honestly you can see through it pretty easily, but it's like. How long has Travis been aboard the Uhura? Oh, that's a good question. Not that long, I don't think. Maybe six months. Okay. So, so you also came on right around the time the captain died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's. Wow, what a great coincidence. Yeah, so I, I want to know what, what Travis's like area looks like. How have you decorated it apart from your sheet? He also has like a very fancy pillow. It's still a hammock on a ship, but it's like a very fancy pillow. Pretty nice blanket for what you would expect. Some pictures on the walls and like a little mirror to like just shave and, and get, get, get ready, you know. Um, I think also swinging off the line of this hammock, we see an Illamot box that looks very worn from years on the road yep i'm interested in those pictures but i think i want to cut over to dref is anyone else with dref awaiting the captain's appearance yeah john it's just like posted up on the wall just like he doesn't have a watch but he's just like clearly tapping his feet he's like how long is this gonna take i'm trying to take more of a hands-off approach Uh, it's going to be suspicious if i'm always seen with the captain so if the captain can function independently uh, and follow simple command as he's talking you hear like a loud bump a <laughs> rattle a drop and then silence as he functions more independently it'll uh, draw uh, suspicion away from me My, eventually the plan is to have the captain to be able to walk the deck um uh, without my uh, need for um intervention um, i um, i have uh, high hopes that uh, this will go um, very well you're sweating a lot it's um, i um it's, uh, Are you always this sweaty? I feel like I've seen you be sweatier, but like you have a baseline of just like a damp pool. Yes, I'm a, just uh, a sweaty person. Okay. Gable jumps down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> jumps down the uh, the ladder and says, "Well, we've organized the meeting with Sonya, and the most of the crew is gone. I think now is the opportune time to make our move. Where's the captain?" 
Dref goes to knock on the door, and as he does that, the door swings open. Let me. Can I roll something to see how well the captain has done? Oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. We can. I can give you the option of rolling or pulling a luminary. Let's pull it. that luminary. Yeah. All right. So the luminary that we got is the children. The children themes are consequence, inevitability, and eternity. This can favor the PCs by suggesting they will bring judgment. It can also threaten the PCs by suggesting that their crimes have been noticed. Ah! Um, so, so okay. So I, I think that that's definitely – this is a uh, threatened situation that yeah. their crimes have been noticed. The captain is wearing everything correct. He followed the orders to the letter. He's got his, like, coat. It's got, like, a long uh, tails on it, kind of like a ruffly shirt. He's got his saber and his dueling pistol at his side. Everything looks very proper. I even trained the captain. He has a big black mustache to have waxed his mustache Ooh. so that his, like, mustache is waxed and curled up. He's wearing his his hat, his feather. He looks impeccable, except... At some point, somehow, probably when we heard that, like, falling and tussling, his neck has snapped and turned. <laughs> so he obviously looks like he has a broken neck and is dead. <laughs> uh, but he's standing, like, in front of us, like, hands on his hips. Uh, he's even got, like, a little, like, smirk, like a grin on his face. Uh, and he gives that wink. Yep. And he gives the wink, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we rush him inside. I can fix this. I can fix this. I can fix this. I think based on this. The broken neck is going to be a lot more complicated to fix than you might have time for. But thankfully, all it really needs is to be stabilized. Well, so it's wintertime, so it's expected that it's going to be a little colder, and the captain has furs. Yes. So he, while he can't totally fix the neck immediately, because that will take time, he does his best and covers it up with, like, just, like, a big fur shawl around, like, or a big fur, like, jacket around the captain's neck. So... It's not as noticeable that his neck looks snapped. Yeah. I, God. I will say this fur looks incredibly noticeable. I think the outfit that you had picked out Does for it, the captain yeah. was very dignified and like sort of projected this this air of authority. It's I think one of the things that Dreth silently thought, uh, given the captain's resources, he would always be able to dress better. And this proved it. This fur is very incongruous with the rest of that outfit. Yeah. And it shows, but also... That neck is not wobbly, so it will be useful. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the process uh, takes refinement. This is a trial run. Uh, we will. I uh, think. So I think we'll. Um, uh, we don't have a choice. This is what we're going to have to work with. So the captain climbs up the ladder and, kind of like for the first time in a long time, is out on like the main deck of the ship. There are some more – I won't say that the captain has a particularly loyal crew. I think Oromar in his prime ruled through authority and fear more than anything else. But there are men and women aboard this ship who look to the captain as a source of authority. Seeing the captain emerge once more, they're comforted because in the last few ports, the captain has not left his quarters at all. And that was a cause of worry. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Warda. 
Warda is an original fantasy actual play podcast created by Allie Grauer and Drew Merzieski. It's one part Game of Thrones, two parts Downton Abbey, served on the rocks with a twist of Agatha Christie. Discover magic, mystery, and more than a little socio-political commentary along the way. The city holds thousands of stories. What will yours be?